The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey friends, and welcome to yet another program, Afternoons with Mike, heard every day here on the Shepherd Radio Network. With me on the phone is E.V. Osmond. E.V. is the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America organization. And boy, I tell you what, E.V., we spend... Uh, a lot of time hearing about things going on in this nation. And I think a lot of people are under the impression that when Roe v. Wade was overturned uh, about a year and a half ago, almost now, uh, in June of 2022, that the uh, the abortion uh, industry kind of was curtailed. And that's far from true. Isn't that right? Well, first off, Mike, thank you so much for having me on to share. And just thank you to your audience. Um, for their interest in pro-life politics and and how pro-life is is working throughout the country. Um, You're right. You know, I think what happened when Roe was overturned and the Dobbs decision came down, I mean, it was an amazing thing to see the thumbs of the Supreme Court, um, you know, now have their thumb lifted off the scales of life across America. And, of course, that is a massive victory that the pro-life movement fought 50 years for. Absolutely. We we cannot forget that at all. But but what also was not clearly understood at the time was just because Roe was overturned, it did not win the war. What it actually did was it allowed pro-lifers an opportunity to be on, you know, even even field to have a place at the table to even be able to fight for life across the states um, and through, you know, it gave people the ability to um, vote about this and to have their voice heard through their state and federal officials. But you're right. That just energized the other side. It seems that way. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I really thought your expression and the way you gave that metaphor about the thumb being on the scale on the on the the I guess the scales of justice, the Supreme Court, uh, according to the Dobbs case and the ruling that the Supreme Court handed down, uh, those that wrote for that ruling overturning Roe said that that law should never have been, or not a law, it wasn't a law. That ruling should never have been made almost fifty years earlier, and that's how bad it right. was. It was bad, a bad ruling by that then the Supreme Court, and so now if this thing has gone back to the states. People do have an opportunity to now get, as you said a place at the table and the states, they can be very, um, I I guess you could say involved to the degree that they would like to get involved. But here's the thing. There are those in America now that are still now on this side. It hasn't, it's only energized them. Like you said, they're they're not uh, detained at all by that ruling. And they're now trying to take this thing and make it codified in state constitutions across the country. Right. Yeah. You know, Mike, I want to make very clear for everyone that's listening. You know, we've had 50 years of a culture of death under Roe. That's 50 years. That's multiple generations in America that were raised under under Roe. And so 
you know, that is that is sad and that is a heartburn for the pro-life community because there are a majority of Americans who do want some sort of abortion in America. But there is a silver lining, and that is even after 50 years of Roe, which allowed for late-term abortion, just brutal late-term abortion, Americans are not comfortable with that. In fact, every poll, almost every poll that I've seen, NPR, Maris, I mean, recent polls, Harvard-Harris, they show 7 in 10. So a, a majority of Americans do not want abortion past the first trimester. That's right. So yeah. around 12 to 15 weeks. So that is much, much more heartening to hear for us. That is something that we can definitely, you know, work with. We can be as ambitious for life with that. The other side, they don't want any limits now. This is right. not the same pro-abortion, uh, you know, uh, Democrat party as it was in the 90s. And even then, you know, it was not, it was obviously not good, but they still said safe, legal, and rare. What we are seeing today is abortion on demand, no limits, no restrictions. That is what they are pushing um, either through their words or through the legislation that they're trying to push through. That's right. And it is uh, in the face of this ruling that came out now over a year ago. And even the laws that um, that are now trying to be passed, it's in face, in the face, in spite of that Supreme Court ruling that Roe should be overturned. So we're talking now about, uh, and uh, I, I guess you could say we're seeing the true colors of the progressive left side on this, aren't we? We are. And I have to say, I've got to, from all the research that I've done on it, Mike, it's been bubbling for a few years now. I mean, this is even before the Dobbs decision. They've been captured by their loudest voices on this and just follow the money. Yeah. I mean, Planned yeah. Parenthood made $1.97 billion with a B uh, in their last annual report, and they're a multi-million dollar donor to the Democrats. Mm-hmm. I mean, NARAL. Emily's list. These are all multi-million dollar donors to the Democrats. So yes, they have been captured by the abortion lobby, and they have been captured by the loudest voices, um, the abortion activists that say you better not list any single limit on abortion. And that's why I have been in search of a single Democrat senator, uh, you know, certainly the Biden administration, anyone that will give a single boundary that they would put on abortion, and they will not list one. It is shocking. It is. Well, this doesn't seem to be a time where the current administration is too concerned about boundaries of any form. I mean, just looking at what's going on on the the border, and, and yet this kind of chaos that we have right now in America is is in a real way also being experienced on the other side of the aisle with what's going on in Washington with this speaker situation. And you wonder what in the world is going on. So there's something really stirred up. But those of us that are pro-life, those of us that believe that life is a gift from God, we've got to stay vigilant during this time. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. We've got to educate ourselves on the best way to communicate our pro-life views and beliefs and position. And we've got to activate our votes and our voices. And we've got to get out there. This is this is the time to to rise up, not the time to, you know, lay low on this. We have got to push back. We America, most people don't realize America is one of seven countries, one of seven only in the world that allows abortion past five months. Wow. Unreal. 
That you know, we're and, it's that's not. And I a, have to say, Mike, that's alongside in that we don't want to be in that group. That's we right. We don't want to be in that group because there is China and North Korea. Right. I mean, human rights abusers. It, it's just unconscionable. It, it seems so unbelievable. I know my grandparents would be rolling over if they could know the world that they loved and and we grew up in uh, has turned out the way it has been here in America. So we've got to stay vigilant on this. Can you explain the role that Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America plays in this battle? Absolutely. At Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, we are working across the country, both at the state and federal level, to combat the abortion extremism that we are seeing trying to be placed in legislation across the nation. Mm -hmm. And that's why we are also working with pro-life candidates and politicians, we realize that there is a battle um, for for and against life right now, and we want to be for life and support it at every turn. We want to serve moms and save babies, and we want to do that as, as ambitiously as we can in every state and at the federal level. So that is why we are really pushing back. I wanted to let your audience know about some of the things that we are seeing and that is alongside what I was talking about, where the Democrats won't list any limit on abortion that they would put. In fact, they are proposing it in federal legislation. This is called the so-called Women's Health Protection Act. Right. And in that particular federal federal um, law that they're trying to push through or bill that they're trying to push through, it would strip all of the pro-life protections that have happened since Dobbs. It would also strip parental consent. It would take away the 24-hour waiting periods that they have on abortion. It would take away mandatory ultrasounds, um, so women can't even get a window into the womb of you know see the baby. Um, it would also take away conscience laws for Christian doctors who don't want to perform abortions, wow. who don't want to be involved in that. And so this is just it goes even further than Roe. Didn't think it could happen, but this is what they're doing. So. We have got to be aware and we've got to activate our voices and fight against that. And that's what Susan B. Anthony, Pro-Life America, is doing. Now, you mentioned we've got to become educated. We've got to become aware. What are ways that you would point people? Let's say we've got listeners right now who are listening to this. And by the way, if you just tuned in, I'm talking to E.V. Osment with Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life. What what are some of the first steps that a person can take to become more aware and up to speed on what's happening in the country right now regarding abortion and the pro-life stance? Yeah, great question. I I want to pull back a little bit and say I think one of the very best ways that we can as pro-lifers educate ourselves is understand the beauty of life in the womb. So I really encourage your audience to go online and look up Charlotte Lozier Institute. That is our research in science arm um, for SBA, and they just have beautiful details and and uh, pictures of how the baby develops. At six weeks, there's a heartbeat. By 12 weeks, 12 to 15 weeks, they can feel pain in the womb. They have all their organs. I mean, these are things that we can, uh, as pro-lifers, understand about the science and the beauty of life and and as as the gestation happens, because unfortunately, the other side have now decided to become science deniers on this. So we really need to educate ourselves about the baby and, and the development in the womb. The other thing is I would encourage everyone to go check out a pregnancy resource center. This is one of the best ways 
to see how the pro-life movement is at its very best when it's serving moms um, of unplanned pregnancies. Uh, I don't know if um, you know this, Mike, or they told you, but I actually was one of those moms. I had two unplanned pregnancies by 22, mm. and it really was the help of a pregnancy resource center um, that really came alongside me and walked with me mm. when there really was no one really there at the time. So I really encourage everyone to to go because there's amazing work that's being done there. And in fact, you'll never hear this from corporate media, but in the last year and a half since the Dobbs decision, there have been 25 states that have put in pro-life protections and hundreds of millions of dollars from states to serve moms through the pregnancy resource centers or directly. Wow. And then I also would say, make sure that you are very clear on where your candidate stands on life. You know, do the research. I encourage you to go to sbaprolife.org. We have a scorecard. We tell you exactly what every politician, where they are on life, how they voted on on these key bills. Um, And so you can educate yourself on that as well and make sure that you are voting for the candidate that really reflects your values. Now give us that website one more time. Yeah, sbaprolife.org. Oh, that's great. Now, you mentioned this thing about the scorecard, and that is something for us to know. Again, we're living in a day where I think a lot of perceptions, you know, it's that old thing of people stop listening when they hear one thing and and they think it's, you know, that's all they're fixing on, or that's the point at which their mind stopped, let's say, thinking beyond that point. It's so easy. I've seen that as a pastor when I've been talking with people. And if I were to say one thing, that one thing may not have even been a point I was trying to make, but it can be a trigger and people stop listening past that one point. And I think, honestly, I believe that a lot of people in America right now, believers, I think a lot of pro-lifers have, have really kind of maybe put kicked it into coasting right now. And, you know, I heard a long time ago that you only coast when you're going downhill. That's a really good saying, I think. We cannot coast on this issue at all. And just from your own story about how you were helped yourself as a young single mom, uh, that is that speaks a lot about where you are and your heart for all of this. You know, Mike, I think this very unfortunate thing is that the other side is, is planning or, or hoping that we'll coast. So that way they can advance the most extreme Uh, legislation that they possibly can. And unfortunately, that's what we're seeing. That's why we cannot grow weary in this fight for life. We just cannot. And and this is actually why I got into um, this position with SCA. I I actually um, saw this firsthand right after the Dobbs decision came down. I was shocked to see that this is the landscape that we are in now, that there's no limits, no boundaries on abortion. We cannot have that. In this country, we have got to fight for life. We have got to defend both mothers and babies because the the truth is, and studies point to this, most moms that were post-abortive, they said they would keep their child if they had just had the emotional and financial support to do so. We are underserving them, and we have ways that we can help both of them, and we've got to fight for both of them, the mom and the child. Yeah. That's right. And boy, you talk about a horrible statistic to hear on the other side of a bad decision 
that is not one that you want to hear when it comes to life, because once that de- decision is made, there's no going back on that. You know, when I, I think about the, the scripture that Paul talked about in First Thessalonians, for when they s- shall say peace and safety, then comes sudden destruction. Uh, that's, that's the outcome. If we go to sleep on this, if we think, ah, rose overturned, there's no problem at all, uh, things are going to be just fine. Uh, that's not hardly the case. We've got to stay involved. We've got to learn more. You know, I had someone from your organization, from that uh, Charlotte Lozier, I believe it is, that you said the organization mm-hmm. that has all of that. They were on my program, oh, several months ago. And that is an outstanding point of science. And you were right when you say they become science deniers. And how odd is it that it seems to be they use science, the, the progressive left will, will quote science when it's convenient for their narrative. But in situations like this, it's not convenient for what they want. So it's just ignored. You're, Mike, that's exactly it. And I'll say another thing too. It is really hard to get correct true and honest information because the pro-abortion side and the Democrats, they know that they have a media that gatekeeps for them. And I see it every day, every single day. And so it has got to be frustrating for Americans across this country because they are getting inundated with biased and often inaccurate information from one side. I mean, really, it's just straight from the abortion lobby to the media, the reporters, and they just put it as gospel truth when we all know it's not. It's not. And we have got to wake up to this, friends. And that's why we have uh, people like EV on our program regularly. And, you know, you mentioned all about uh, learning about uh, a local uh, women's clinic that helps in the pro-life movement. I am privileged to be part of one called Choices and we are working, and we're finding that even in this organization that I'm privileged to serve on the board, it is uh, not what we would have thought 2023 would have been like in, in our uh, e- even in our efforts. So while there are wonderful things happening, there are also some of these telltale signs that says we've got to stay awake, we've got to stay vigilant. This is not a time to give up. And again, people can go to your fine website. So appreciate the people at Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life. That's sbaprolife.org, right? That's right. Well, thank you for what you're doing, Evie. I really appreciate your being with us. And uh, touch back, uh, if you will, again in the future and let us know what news you have from your side. And we'll do our best to keep our listeners here in Florida all up to date. Mike, I'm so honored, and and thank you to you and your audience and all that y'all do for life. Thank you. You've got it. And friends, we'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top-trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. 
All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Back again on this Friday here for Afternoons with Mike and on the line with me, my buddy, Rob Motti. He's the official writer for the NFL uh, on all things Associated Press. And, you know, I'm just thinking after what's been going on the last week in the NFL, there's a couple of things that I think we just have to talk about. I I never knew that they were the spokesperson for Taylor Swift, just exactly (laughs) the way they are. I mean, I'm expecting to see Taylor in uniform and out there on the field this week, right? Oh, Mike, it's been uh, all this wild and craziness with Taylor Swift and the uh, parent relationship. I say it's an apparent relationship with Travis Kelsey because from his perspective, he said that he tried to go to a concert or he went to a concert, tried to give her a friendship bracelet, wanted to give her his number. Next thing you know, she's showing up at a game and then driving out with him in his convertible and then coming to another game. But there's no, there's been no confirmation or anything along those lines of dating or a relationship. They seem to be an odd couple. I'm not sure where that's going or where that's headed, but the NFL certainly is milking it when you have Taylor Swift and her legions and millions and millions of Swifties followers, whatever they uh, call themselves. Um, the league has certainly taken to appealing to that segment of the population. And I didn't realize what an impact it would be. His jersey sales, Travis Kelsey's jersey sales skyrocket. Ticket prices go through the roof for that game last week between the Chiefs and the Jets. And uh, I'm a person who just doesn't get it. I don't understand that. I've never been one for any kind of hero worship. Uh, if Taylor Swift wanted to come watch my daughters tonight play flag football, I, I guess it would be cool. I-, I wouldn't really get all bent out of shape over it. <laughs> I agree completely. <laughs> but, you know, it does say a lot about where we are as a country right now that this kind of adulation, this kind of uh, press, I mean, the PR, obviously, you're right. The NFL, they're, they're milking it. They're soaking all of it up because it's good PR. It's good press. A little bit different from the negative press that the NFL was suffering a couple of years ago when all of the kneeling and the, the national anthem and all of that was going on. Uh, that This is a, a different kind of problem, but the other side of it is it's got to make security at these games a whole new thing, right? Yeah, and it, it was um, different last week, too, because, one, you got the New York market. She's uh, apparently got a residency in that area, and then it wasn't just Taylor who came to the game. It was right. a couple of high-profile friends, uh, Ryan Reynolds, Blake Lively, Hugh Jackman. I mean, the, the, these aren't just your average uh, run-of-the-mill uh, Hollywood folks, so they're, they're they're big time in that industry, So and uh, the, uh, I'm sure the NFL rolls out the red carpet. Hey, you need a suite. We'll make it happen. <laughs> we'll find a way to get you in. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they're not paying these exorbitant prices that fans, uh, the average person is paying to get into the stadium, to buy a drink, to have some food. So 
Uh, it's always funny. I always thought it's funny how the people who can't afford it end up never paying for anything. And the people who uh, are out there hardworking and uh, doing the nine to five or 10 to six or the overnight shift or whatever they're doing, they're struggling to get their kids to a game and they got to pay all those ridiculous amounts of prices. And, right. and the people who, the people who have it, they get the red carpet rolled out for them. But uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I actually last weekend was in uh, Philly for the first game uh, at one o'clock the Eagles in Washington, and I had thought about driving to North Jersey to go to the Chiefs Jets for the 8 o'clock start, and then there was some traffic, and I thought to myself, you know, I don't want to get caught up in this. Next thing I want to do is be told, hey, can you write about Taylor being at the game tonight? So I I took a pass on that one. You know, I I think it's inevitable, though. It's going to, if this continues on into week three, Uh, of the NFL, I think it's going to be inevitable that uh, every news outlet is going to be sending their writers and their, uh, those news people to cover it. It it is, it's in some ways kind of sad because it's taken the focus off the players and, uh, you know, in the cutaway shots, uh, I've, I'm not the biggest watcher of the NFL by a long shot, but I mean, man, you almost expect it now to see cutaway shots about what's going on in Taylor's uh, box and who's with her and all of these different people coming up. And my goodness, it's, it's just getting to be crazy. And here's a question I had for you. I mean, obviously, if people are listening and maybe it's the first time they've heard a segment with Rob Motti, they're wondering why on Afternoons with Mike are we talking this kind of talk about the NFL and in particular Taylor Swift. It's because Rob hosts Faith on the Field. And that is such a cool program. We're just loving having this show on The Shepherd and getting to hear about all of the players' faith and the interaction that they have, not only with the teams, but with the Lord. And this is really great to have you on my program with this kind of regularity. But again, I say all of that to say, I've got to jump back for a second. From your standpoint, Rob, was Travis ever, uh, uh, was he a name? Uh, I hadn't heard of him, quite frankly, before all this began. Was he a name before the Taylor thing happened? Oh, yeah, Mike. And and Travis is uh, one of the best tight end players at his position um, in, in all time in, in NFL history. He may go down when it's all said and done as, as the best two-time Super Bowl champion. Uh, he's been a, a multiple-time All-Pro. So he's he, that, that was the joke. It was funny that some folks were like, uh, those who weren't familiar with Travis but are Taylor Swift fans uh, were like, oh, she put him on the map. And, and I, I wonder if at some point that conversation may bother, uh, may get to Travis or impact his ego because in the NFL community, he was already firmly on the map. But you touched on something a few minutes ago when, when you said it's kind of sad. I agree with you completely this kind of hero worship this adulation yeah i feel really it really is sad i think it's a sad testament to uh our country our values our beliefs how children are being raised that that, that i never i never understood going to you know i i could you can go to a concert and enjoy the music and have a great time but the people who stand there in tears and and just that's something I, I never got. I, I you know, I, I think the, the only person whose presence I would be in that would move me to that kind of reaction would be Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> so that's right, man. It, it's 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 kind it's kind of strange to me to see that and then just to see how the the impact and the reaction and and all these people talking about it and 
you, you said that uh, the news outlets and, you know, we're feeling that. Here we are. I'm with the AP, and there are people within writing about this, and, and, and i got to take a step back and say, What's going on here? Are, are, are we are we turning into like uh, a, a TMZ tabloid type thing? Like, let's not go overboard, and we're not. We're not pushing it that far, and and it's it's understandable. But it, it just goes back to what are are we raising our kids to look at someone who is in in entertainment to be their ultimate hero, their uh, godlike figure, and and I, I think that's that's what's sad, and, and I've seen that over the years with different people, and it's in different eras, right? I don't go as far back as Elvis, or I don't go as far back as the Beatles, but I guess it was that way for for some of those uh, really fame. Michael Jackson, I can remember, oh, yeah. uh, and, and it's to, to me, it's it's just like uh, my daughters are ten; they would be in that age range, I guess, to be Swifties, but they're not. And I'm totally happy about that. You know, they 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 can they can sing songs along with uh, uh, the lyrics to Ann Wilson's "My Jesus" song. That's a great one, or or any worship music. But they're not they're not that familiar with Taylor Swift, and and uh, I'm happy to keep it that way. Well, you know, I think that is a great thing for any parent to be able to say that. And it is. Uh, I was around. Uh, uh, I can tell you, man, I was around for the Beatles, and I was around for Elvis. And yeah, I, there's not a lot of difference. Taylor. Is is probably the biggest name uh, that would even be in that same kind of category for today's music. Uh, but by and large, it is uh, real interesting to see all this that's happening. And, you know, I, I agree with you about Travis now. While I hit in my mind, and I was saying that, like I've told you all along, I've been a college football fan, but uh, my, yeah. my foray into NFL players and watching them at that level. And, uh, you know, I know the Tom Brady names and, and that kind of thing, but I just hadn't been that familiar with Travis, but I did happen to see what is a most unfortunate video clip that's out there right now about Travis. Apparently this week he threw the ball for an opening pitch at one of the, um, uh, I guess one of the, the major league playoffs, and it was uh, not a stellar pitch. Let's just put it that way, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess that's recirculating because I recall him doing that. It was at um, may have been opening day, but uh, yeah, that always surprises me too. When you have someone who's a world class athlete, like <laughs> right at a different sport, and then they just can't throw a baseball. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's just like threw it straight into the ground. Yeah, that was that was yeah. it. There, there was one. There was one entertainer who once threw a wild, who, who threw a first pitch that hit a camera guy. Right. Um, it, right in the groin. I think it was Fifty Cent. I'm not sure if it was Fifty Cent, the rapper, or if it was someone else who did that. But uh, uh, it wasn't quite that bad. But it was pretty. It, it was pretty terrible. That's for sure. Well, all of this to say, I'm I'm praying for Travis, and just I can't imagine. Can you think about what kind of uh, pressure there must be, like the public pressure that is now being put when the entire American news media, the way they're doing making such a big deal out of this. It's it's really getting blown up, and it, it will be quite interesting to see here on this next week if this is going to escalate, if, is it going to settle down, is it going to uh, maybe start to fade, and that's what we hope for. But I'm not so sure that's going to happen, my man. 
Yeah, they're playing Minnesota, so I'm going to take a, a, you know, I don't have any inside information on this, but I'm going to just take a guess that she doesn't show up uh, to Minnesota, although this isn't the worst time of year to be there in Minneapolis. Uh, I was there for a Super Bowl in uh, 2018. February was the coldest time of my life. It was like minus three degrees every day for a week, so I guess if she ever wanted to visit that area uh, for a football game, this wouldn't be that bad. But I, I, I'm going to take a, I'm going to guess that she's not in the in the stadium this week. But we'll find out on Sunday. That's for sure. That's right. We'll find out. And I'm hoping for the sake of normal news uh, writing that you guys get to uh, kind of pass on that one for a week. That'd be good to let it settle down. So what's happening on faith and uh, faith on the field this week, man? Yeah, we this week uh, I had mentioned to you when I went to the Hall of Fame, I was really struck by a, a speech that was given by New York former New York Jets player Joe Klecko. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame, and he stood on that stage in Canton, Ohio, after accepting the gold jacket. That's what goes to the enshrinees as members of the Hall of Fame, and then they they reveal their bronze bust and their likeness goes into that museum. and And Joe Klecko stood on that stage as a a, a guy who worked extremely hard to make it into the league. Uh, it had overcome so much adversity as a young man, and it wasn't really thought to be a future star. It was a sixth-round pick and had to uh, work his way into even getting a college scholarship before he even was discovered, and then ends up playing for the New York Jets, having a terrific career, gets inducted into the Hall of Fame, and he's standing there, and he's talking about – um, I'm, I'm in, he says, I'm in the Temple University Hall of Fame. I'm in uh, the Pennsylvania Hall of Fame. And now I'm in this Pro Football Hall of Fame. But ultimately, the one Hall of Fame I want to be in, and he points up to heaven, and he talks about yes. wanting to be, wanting to go there. So I finally got around to sitting down and having an extended conversation with Joe, and uh, that'll be featured this week on uh, Faith on the Field. So really excited for that conversation. Joe's a, and Joe's a, still a New York Jets fan, and, and you and I have talked about the difficulties, right, Mike, that they've gone through since losing Aaron Rodgers to injury. And then, of course, last week they play the Jets and, and almost pull out a, an impressive win, but they lose in the end and they're yeah. in front of all the Swifties and everything else. And uh, I, I really felt for Zach Wilson the quarterback for the Jets, who's replaced Aaron Rodgers, who's gone through some ups and downs. And I've been critical of him. I thought it was surprising that the Jets stuck with Zach Wilson, but he went out there and uh, he kind of proved the, 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 the doubters and the naysayers wrong because he played very well. He, he played did. very well, earned another, earned another opportunity. Yeah, Mike. And, you know, after the game, I, I thought, I'm not sure if you saw this interview, Rodney Harrison um, from NBC, uh, the Sunday Night Football crew, and a former a great player, played for the New England Patriots, uh, won Super Bowls. He was interviewing one of the opponents, Chris Jones, who was a defensive lineman, all-pro defensive lineman for the Chiefs. And, and he kind of is trying to bait him into saying something critical of Zach Wilson. Like, can you believe he went out there and, and played this well? And uh, aren't you looking at the tape before the game thinking, oh, this guy is garbage? And uh, to Chris's credit, Chris Jones handled that interview with the utmost professionalism. And, and he said, no, uh, you know, he played very well. I think this kid's got an opportunity to be a special player, and I, and I wish him the best. And uh, Rodney came under a lot of criticism after that interview for, for trying to uh, bait another player into saying something negative about his opponent. And, yeah. and, and I thought that was extremely disappointing. Now, Rodney came out and apologized 
the next day. But that's kind of indicative of where we are now in the media, too, Mike, because there's a lot of folks in the media now, former players who are uh, taking on this hot take and, and just trying to get clicks and all of that stuff. And it was nice to see a lot of the current players rally around Zach Wilson and say, why is another former player taking a stance like this and, and trying to say something as critical as he's garbage? It's one thing to attack someone's performance on the field and say he played poorly, he played terrible, or he hasn't looked good. But to just at flat out use the word garbage, I'm glad Rodney apologized. But uh, I think we got to do better. I, I think folks in the media got to do better. I agree completely, man. And, you know, we know that's a ridiculous statement. <clears throat> no one is even going to be suited up and playing football on any team in the NFL. They're not going to be garbage if they are. They're, they're, that's just the way it is. <laughs> exactly. You're exactly. not... You're not going to get out there and get the suit up and take a snap if you're not some sort of special player. And I thought the kid just looked great. And, you know, when you're up against Patrick Mahomes and you you think uh, that you've got it, it looks like you might win the game, that's already a win right there. That's yep. already a, a big W in my mind. Absolutely. And, and he actually was the first quarterback in Patrick Mahomes' history to outperform him uh, in terms of passing yards, uh, no interceptions, and all the stats in Patrick's career. Now, he didn't win the game, but I, I thought that was an incredible feat, an incredible stat. I had not even realized that. that and that just speaks to how great Patrick Mahomes is and how how, how well he's played yeah. from college into the NFL. Oh, yeah. He's always been fun to watch, and certainly in college as well. But, boy, he has hit a stride and has the respect of so many. But uh, when a guy can go up against him, especially a backup quarterback who wasn't expected to be taking the snaps in that game, I'll guarantee you, and here he is, and he's playing on the world stage, he certainly did a great job, and I enjoyed watching him do it. Yeah, that's for sure. And, and hopefully he stacks a couple of these together. He continues, and, and he has another bounce. He bounces back from that one tough loss and, and puts together a good game. The Jets are playing the Denver Broncos this week. Uh, it's a big game for both teams. They're both one and three. If they want to have any chance to compete for a playoff spot, they got to win this week. And, and uh, I, I actually have the Jets as my upset special of the week winning. It's uh, it's only like a two-point spread or something along those lines. But uh, it should be fun. should be an interesting weekend of football. It's always great to talk with you, Rob. Rob Motti with the NFL writing responsibilities for Associated Press and the host of the show that's here on The Shepherd called Faith on the Field. It will be playing Saturday across the network, and we are so excited excited to have you on the show. Thanks, Rob. Thank you, Mike. You have a blessed weekend. You too, and we'll be right back. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Back on the line with me right now, my good friend of many, many years. Goodness, it's a long time friendship of about 50 years. That's all. Danny Jones, my good buddy who was the founding pastor of Metro Life Church. He's back on the line with me. Welcome back, Danny. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's it's hard to believe I'm young enough to have a 50-year-old 
friendship. <laughs> but you are. Oh, my gosh, it's true. Uh, back in the early 70s, I met Danny when I was uh, down here playing music in a church. He was at that church. Friendship develops and uh, actually more like being a brother. Uh, I got a brother that I never had before in you, and I'm grateful for that. And all these years later, walking with the Lord, uh, watching him move, it's just been a wonderful experience for me, brother. Well, that's mutual for sure. Uh, Danny, uh, we're we're here today to talk about something that's in the news, and this has kind of uh, been a growing thing really for a number of years. A lot of people are hearing about it. There's been a lot of controversy. I think that Andy Stanley up in Atlanta has kind of drawn on himself a couple of years ago. Uh, he made a statement that was, um, I, I think he would probably feel that it was grabbed hold of and maybe taken out of context about unhitching ourselves somewhat from the Old Testament. To say the least, it caused a lot of confusion. It caused a lot of people to wonder. So now, today, 2023, Andy is back in the news, and there is a major conference that he is hosting at their church, and it is including a couple of speakers who are active in the gay lifestyle, actually a a couple of speakers who are married to other men, men who are married to other men, And uh, I know that you have watched the message that Andy Stanley said. And so there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of confusion. There's even talk of an open debate happening between uh, another prominent leader, Albert Moeller, uh, and Andy Stanley. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But Danny, you watched the message. And what are your thoughts about just generally speaking here? What are you seeing happen? And I feel like so many of our listeners would really benefit from your viewpoints. How are you approaching? How are you processing this turn of events with Andy Stanley? Well, I I think the only thing we can do is go to the scriptures ourselves. Um, we, We can't just go by a sermon or a podcast or an article and think we understand what's what's going on. Because if you read the New Testament, you see Paul addressing the churches where there were individuals who were coming into the churches. And according to Paul, they were trying to rob the freedom that they had in Christ by bringing in other teaching that wasn't Christ gospel-centered. Right, right. It was other issue-centered and making it all about this other issue. And we just see that happening today on so many fronts, including this one, where we as individuals, as Christians, have to study for ourselves. Acts talks about being a Berean. The yes, Bereans, right. it was a city where uh, they, the, the Bible says that they, they study for themselves to see if what Paul was saying was true. And that's our assignment today, to not just simply quote or do sound bites from people and think that we know all about their motives and all about you know what they think and and kind of uh, put on them things that the individual that's that's making the ser- you know preaching the sermon or or doing the podcast or writing the article wouldn't actually believe. But it's our conclusion, it's our perception of what they're saying. And all that does is make everything worse. So I, 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 for many, many, many years, 
I've been studying these issues as I've seen them begin to come in to the church worldwide. Right. And it's very dangerous because people aren't studying for themselves. They're not thinking for themselves. They're going based on media. It doesn't work. You know, it seems that what you're describing right there is exactly what Paul would have been talking to Timothy about itching ears and people gathering around themselves, speakers who say what basically they want to hear. And some of these things seem to at least qualify that that it's a possibility that that's happening. And uh, again, I'm not trying to badmouth anyone, or but I do believe what you said is what we have to do, and that's my heart in the issue. We have to go back to the Word of God, and we can't just take popular opinion about what's going on in our culture. And right now, I mean, it's been in the news this past week, especially in the last couple of weeks, uh, leanings even in the Catholic Church, where the Pope has uh, pointed toward a blessing for same-sex marriages. And it's causing an uproar internationally. So this thing is building, and you'd think, well, you know, the the Pope's kind of leaning that way. Shouldn't we all do it? Uh, No, (laughs) not if the Bible talks about avoiding this, calling it sinful. There's like this certain open door policy that that kind of opens up to just about anything, doesn't it? Well, there's there's certain issues, and what we're talking right now uh, would be sexual preference issues uh, that are, are being identified specifically. But if you take those principles and apply them to any other issue that human beings, fallen human beings uh, struggle with, it, it doesn't apply. It doesn't work. But because they're talking about one specific aspect, the, the, it, the appeal is to love and to be compassionate. And, of course, your heart goes, that's what we want. And when, we're, when it's talked about how the church has not done that in the past, our hearts break. It is not our place to reject people based on their, their struggles mm-hmm. with sin. Uh, and, and so you, you listen to this, and it just – it really does make a lot of sense. And that's why a lot of people are buying into it. But we have to be vigilant on that because while it does make a lot of a sense, we have to realize that we are culturally affected, sometimes even more than we realize, right? Absolutely. And, and I, I think it's so subtle. And that's why Paul used the language he did. Uh, he talked about what to the Galatians, who bewitched you? Yes. Who who turns you away from the gospel? Like, you can't say anything more serious than that. But why was Paul so passionate? Because he saw this kind of thing happening, and he was doing everything in his power to oppose it. But he didn't do that with anger and with, you know, um, hate rhetoric, and, and that he did it with Scripture, with uh, a, a call to— be Christ-centered, um, to repent of our sins, to repent of our attitudes, because there were, again, in the New Testament several times where different groups were uh, confronted with their attitude towards other groups in their society and how wrong that is. Yeah. So it, it's very easy to buy into 
if you're not studying for yourself. And that really is the answer, isn't it? We've got to know the word. We've got to be ready to give an answer. And I think the the lines get blurred with a lot of people because they feel uh, they feel that they're not wanting to speak out against an individual that is a pastor or whatever. But we've got to just know it's it's it shows how critical it is when you have a pastor who is actually purporting something that looks and feels like this this might be problematic. Do I believe that? Well, that's the question we've got to answer, and the only way we can answer that correctly is if we know the Word of God and what the Word of God says about it, right? Yeah, we just we can't do anything about what other people are teaching and preaching in their churches. We're not a part of those churches. We're not a part of the locality. We don't know the people personally. It's really not our place to say who they are and who they are and what they're doing. We we have to look at how we're living and what we're doing in our own church here. Yeah. And every Christian doing the exact same thing to where there is a Holy Spirit inspired commitment to scripture alone, not to the culture and the current thoughts that seem to be caring and loving. Yeah. Well, with that, some of the statements that have come out, and they're public statements, anyone can hear them, anyone can watch, as you did, this message. Uh, There are statements that are coming out that are calling to question what would be some of the long-held biblical uh, viewpoints about morality, about what the definition of marriage is. And it is important. It's like we're all being kind of drawn in, whether we realize it or not. We need to make a stand. We need to, at some point, know where we are on these issues because uh, the the sand, if you will, upon which we're standing, it seems to be shifting, right? It is, and and I think that's part of the difficulty is because we live in a world where information is just so so easy. Like the the sermon is on YouTube, uh, and it's from last Sunday, October first, and it's entitled "I Love My Church." Yeah. So anybody can go and listen to it, but it's forty nine minutes, <laughs> and you know to take that kind of time. Uh, there's a lot of people that just just tell me what to believe, and I'll I'll stand there. We we have to take the time to study for ourselves, and and then come to okay. They're saying this. How does that line up with what the Bible says? Or they're saying the Bible says this. How does that line up with what I'm reading right now? Because there is a whole um, theology that takes every scripture that deals with some of these issues and literally reinterprets them. Boy, that's And I've actually heard yeah. uh, people teaching, preaching, that would say, I read this passage, and it just didn't work for me. So I had to find a way to get, you know, to, to explain it. And that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. But when you read the passage, it is as clear as clear can be. And that's where we put our stand in our beliefs. And that's where, you know, we have to stand up. You know, I I think about often a statement that a mutual friend of ours once told me, he said, we have to inform 
our emotions. We can't let our emotions, and those emotions can include uh, what is happening in our culture, what's happening in people around us, but we have to inform them. And the best thing, and what I'm hearing from you, and the message of this, uh, this talk that we've had here today is this. We need to inform our emotions and our thinking with the Word of God and not from the newspaper, not from the media, not from a podcast, not even from a radio show. We need to inform it with the Word of God. What does the Bible say about that? And that's safe, and that, isn't it? And that takes discipline. Yeah. It takes time. It might take time away from watching a movie or watching a TV show or going to a concert. Um, it, it, there's, a, there's a cost. There's a price. But the the um, the result of not doing this is disastrous. Boy, that's so well said. It's really important for us all that we take the time to really know what the Bible says about some of these big ticket issues, because we just cannot get our doctrine from the radio. We can't get our doctrine from what we read on the internet. We have exactly. to know the Word of God. And that's yeah, what I'm even, hearing you say. Even our most trusted teachers, um, you know, be like the Bereans. Study for yourself. I, you know from uh, being in the church that many, many times we would tell the church, don't believe what you heard this morning just because I said it. That's right. Go home and study for yourself. And I think that's what builds a, a mature church, Right. is that people— are not depending on the pastor to tell them what to believe. They believe what they do because they know what the truth is. Boy. And when you have that, nobody can take it away from you, no matter how they spin it. Well said, Danny Jones, my good friend of many, many years. Thank you for being with me on this segment. I hope it's helpful. This, These are trying times. Yeah, it certainly is a trying time. But I'm grateful for people like you that help us uh, draw back to what is the uh, right source for all things good, and that is the Bible. Danny Jones, my guest. Friends, thank you for being with me today on this program. We'll see you next time on Afternoons with Mike.